everyone and welcome back to my podcast um i would like to thank all of the listeners that have been listening to my podcast and uh following me i really appreciate it i'm so grateful and thankful for you all and uh i'm hoping that the message that i'm getting out to you all that y'all can be able to benefit from it and pass it on to people that can actually help and benefit from it also uh today i uh wanted to talk to you all about uh my uh, pulmonary fibrosis um they started me on a new medication that's supposed to help slow the growth down uh of the pulmonary fibrosis uh the scar tissue and that's on my lungs and i don't know if i mentioned it last time but they did put me back on the lung transplant list. Um, I was on the lung transplant list uh, back in um, 2010. Um, well, actually in 2010, I went in for a lung transplant uh, evaluation and they did their workup and they said that my immune system wasn't strong enough for me to do the surgery. and. By it's not being that strong enough, I wouldn't probably survive the surgery. If I did, I probably wouldn't survive after uh, the recovery. So I wasn't able to get the lung transplant that I was uh, initially went in for. But uh, they have uh, put me, they gave me some uh, autoimmune shots that's supposed to help build my immune system up. Uh, because in uh, June, I uh, end up with pneumonia, uh, and then in August, I end up with pneumonia again, and then in October, also, I end up with pneumonia. So, um, then I, I was on oxygen for about a month and a half, but now they have me to the oxygen as needed. But since uh, I started this new medication, um, the first week they had me taking three pills or three times a day, one pill in the morning, one in the afternoon and one at night for a week. And then the second week they boost the pills up to two pills in the morning, two in the afternoon and two at night. Through that second week, uh, I was having so much abdominal pain from the medication that um, I wasn't even able to go into my third week of taking three pills a day, three in the morning, three in the afternoon, and three at night. So the second week, the doctor um, cut me down to two pills, one in the morning, one in the afternoon to see would that help with the abdominal pain because the abdominal pain would come at night. Well, I, right after I take that last pill, I would start having real bad abdominal cramping pains. And then I started the vomiting. And then I started having the diarrhea. So he kept me on the two pills for two weeks. And then he bumped me up to the three pills so I've been taking the three pills uh, for three days now, but I'm only taking it morning and afternoon. I'm not taking them at night. So he wants to see how I do 
this way before he boosted the the night dose back in. So, I'm supposed to be taking nine pills total a day, but right now I'm only taking six. Because the pills have a lot of different side effects and it can uh, damage your liver, uh, your kidneys. But it's supposed to help with the growth, slow down the growth that's uh, the scar tissue that's on your lungs that, from the pulmonary fibrosis. Um, but they say you're at least supposed to get the pills 90 days to really get into your system to bypass, you know, not to have so many side effects. With my autoimmune fit, uh, body, it's just... I. I'm getting all the side effects all at once, look like. But I'm trying to hang in there, and I'm, I'm going to try to go through the 90 days to see, you know, if you know, I'm going to you know, decrease on some of these side effects. And, you know, because, you know, I already am sensitive to sunlight and all this, and... I already wear sunscreen, so I have to make sure I'm covered up because the medication, if I get it in the sun, it can burn my skin. You know, it's just a lot of side effects. But I'm hopeful and praying that this medication do help to slow down the growth, you know, on my lungs. Well, on my lung, I've only got one that's actually functioning. So... I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful that I'm here, you know, to be able to get a chance to try this medication. And I'm thankful and grateful for my pulmonologist that I have, you know, um, because when I was having these, start having these side effects, I called the office, talked to the nurse and the doctor called me back himself. He didn't have the nurse to call me and tell me what I need to do. He called me himself and talked to me. And I, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, because, you know, some doctors, they'll tell their nurse, well, tell them to do this, do that, and then the nurse call you back. Uh, you know, I was that what I was expecting, but when I answered the phone, and it was actually the doctor. So I'm like, okay, I, I actually did pick, you know, a good pulmonologist, you know, to that actually care about their patient, you know, because uh, I've been dealing with this pulmonary fibrosis ever since 2004, and this is a lot, and over the years, you know, it have progressed, and he, the doctor was telling me that when I caught pneumonia in June, it made the pulmonary fibrosis more progressive than it should have. But that's life. And I keep moving forward. I don't try to sit and dwell on, you know, what have, could have, because there's nothing that done happened. So now I'm moving forward on trying to help myself and better myself. You know, with um, pulmonary fibrosis, a lot of people uh, don't know that, you know, with that, 
and you know you get short of breath and uh, from the pulmonary fibrosis you have a chronic cough and you have crackling and you know when the doctor listening to your lungs it sounds like look crackling sounds to them but you know uh, it's you know when you really having those kind of issues you know the short of breath and a cough and stuff you need to you know get to a doctor soon as possible and then when you you know having more difficult of breathing you know feeling chest pains you know stuff like that you definitely need to see a doctor about that also and maybe you know once you know explain to them what's happening making you no know, do lab work uh ct scan x-rays and see do you have any kind of scar tissue or anything like that because um Excuse me, my cough is back. It's a um the uh, the first week that I started the medication, my cough was constantly all day. It just would not stop. I mean, I had I was into the medication about three days, and the cough just came and it was just consistent. And the shorter breath got even more. Um, where I used to just walk uh, from my apartment building all the way to the to the office area, you know, no problem. Now it it was getting that difficult to where I couldn't breathe. I had to stop, you know. And at one time that I was, went out, I had to turn back around because I couldn't stop coughing and go up and get my portable oxygen. And then I was able to go, you know, to do what I wanted to do, you know, to up to the office, to the mailbox and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's that those little things that you need to pay attention to if you're not used to having those problems and they're reoccurring constantly. Yeah, you need to make appointment, you know, to see your doctor and then they can set you up. Uh, to see a, a pulmonologist, you know, if they feel that, you know, having those kind of difficult uh, problems of breathing. Because, you know, there, you know, it's, there are like 200 different types of pulmonary fibrosis out there. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Excuse me. There are 200 different types. And. <coughs> ooh, excuse me. And that's another thing. <coughs> I've been having problems with also is talking. When I start talking. Is the coughing comes. And I probably have to get on my machine before I finish this video. Uh. This podcast. But I'm going to try to get through this. Uh, And, uh, you know, there's other signs also. Like I said, there's two different, 200 types. And then there's other signs that you can actually, you know, notice too. You know, 
um, like I said, the shortening of breath, the persistence of the coughing. Uh, you can have, uh, you can start feeling fatigue. You can lose weight unintentionally. You have muscle aches and joint aches also uh, with pulmonary fibrosis. <clears throat> and uh, all these things is in a factor with uh, the lupus. You know, if you have lupus, you know, you have other autoimmune that falls in that place. When they diagnosed me with lupus, mine's filled with the scleroderma came right along with it, the rheumatoid arthritis, the pulmonary fibrosis, and the phalgomyalgia. Those four came right along with the lupus. So I've been dealing with this for a very long time. And sometimes I have flare-ups. Some years I go without any flare-ups at all from any of my uh, autoimmune diseases. But uh, ever since COVID hit, it just like my body been testing me, you know, and I feel like it's been testing my faith and everything. But I haven't lost my faith. And I haven't lost my will to continue to try to find that what can help me with my illness. Like I said, with this new medication, you know, it's it's supposed to do certain things. But I'm going to give it a try and see where I go from there. Because, you know, everything I look at, everything happened for a reason. Um, when my whole world changed, it was in 2004. So I look at life differently. You know, when I got diagnosed, I had to look at my life and see what I had to do to try to make sure that I'd be around uh, a little longer. Because uh, when they first diagnosed me, they gave me seven years. And I'm like, I don't accept that. So uh, my daughter and I, you know, she started doing research, going online, looking up different uh, uh, alternatives, you know, healing methods, uh, herbs and um teas and stuff, the stuff that can help me, you know, try to boost my immune system to keep me around a lot longer because, you know, that wasn't an option of giving up. That wasn't an option of me to sit and say that, okay, in seven years, I you know I won't be here after seven years. When that seven year came around, I was fighting even harder, you know. I completely almost forgot that it was seven years, you know, until I you know, looked at my uh, planner and I seen the date of, that I got diagnosed. I'm like, oh, yeah, today is seven years from the day they diagnosed me. So I've been pushing forward ever since then. And now I'm pushing even more 
because I don't want to live my life worrying about that, you know, when is that time going to come? When it come, it come. But right now, I'm not sitting around waiting on that time. I'm doing everything I can to keep focused and keep, you know, living my life, enjoying my life. Because like I said, at times it's difficult for me with the breathing. And lately here, it's been a whole lot difficult. And I want to make sure I try to get out more uh, podcasts as possible now. But sometimes I'm not able to because uh, this past week I was running a fever of anywhere from 100 to 102. You know, I was weak. I couldn't get out of bed. I could barely talk without coughing all over the place. I could barely walk. You know, it was difficult this past week. It was very difficult for me, you know, and... Like I, said, I still have a, a little of the cough still hanging around, but I'm here, you know, and I go see my pulmonologist Thursday and we're going to do x-rays and take a look and see, you know, because uh, this medication also gives you upatory respiratory uh, infection. So, you know. You, it just a whole lot of stuff going on with my body right now. You know, I've been a lot more fatigued lately. I've been more tired. It just, I got to get past all these side effects, you know, and Taking that much medication all at once is it's strong. And I mean, to when I'm perspiring, I can smell the medication coming through my pores. I drink plenty of water. I'm drinking two to three gallons of water. To try to keep my kidneys flush, trying to flush this medicine through my body, but it, it I can still smell it. You know how you can lick your lips. You know when they're uh, dry and you're trying to moist them. I can taste the medicine in my on my lips. It and the pill is no bigger than a tic tac, but like I said, I'm taking. Three of those pills now, a, a total of six a day now, but I'm supposed to be taking nine. But like I said, when I go see the pulmonologist on Thursday, we'll, I see do he want to boost me back to the, the night pills or keep me where I'm at right now because uh, I want. I want to be able to still have a normal life as much as normal that I can have. Um, I have trip plan coming up that I, I, I'm planning on taking that I want to be able to take 
without any problems. And then on top of with my pulmonary fibrosis flaring up, so is my scleroderma. My tightness on my hands are getting worse. And that's part of it, of having scleroderma. You get tightness of the skin, the hand, the feet, the face. You get the red spots on your skin. You get hard lumps up under your skin. They're like lesions, but they're like lumps, big knots, you know. And you have a lot of heartburn. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot to deal with. You know, and I look at, you know, a person that going through one autoimmune or two, you know, I can sympathize how they feel because I'm going through five, well, actually six now because I've been diagnosed with osteoporosis. So it's, my body is steady being challenged and I'm here to say that whatever happens, it happens. No, I'm going to fight it regardless. I'm going to fight it. And I'm grateful and thankful that, you know, I'm not having any kidney problems. Like some people that have lupus, they, they, they kidneys fail them before, you know, anything, you know, they don't have, the, the lung problem, but they have the kidney problems. You know, um, they are dialysis. I'm blessed that I haven't had to go through that. You know, but the doctor them keep telling me, you know, in due time it will happen. But for right now, I'm grateful and thankful for what I'm going through. And I'm trying to get these these messages out to people to let you know that no matter what you're going through, you can still try to have a normal life. You know, um, I had a a friend uh, of mine that called me. I haven't talked to her in over 10 years. And she called me out of the blue and was telling me that she uh, on dialysis four times a week. You know, she had... Uh, She's on the kidney transplant list. And she was like, well, you know, being depressed and down. And I was asking her, you know, do you believe in your creator, the person that created you? I don't know who you worship, but do you believe in the person that created you? Because you're you're depressed. Have you talked to someone? You know, have you talked to a therapist? You know, and voice your opinion. Have you tried talking to your doctor about what you're going through? You know, and she's like, well, no, I haven't. But, um, one of my nieces from my previous marriage had told her that I was had been you know that what I was going through. 
So she thought that she could call me and we could do the pity party thing on the phone. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I text her my information for my podcast. I text her my information for my YouTube channel. And I told her, just sit back and watch and listen to what I have to say. I said, because I'm not in that place where you're at. And I don't need that energy pulling me down. Now, if you want somebody to talk to, to uplift you, I'm here for you. But you sitting here feeling sorry for yourself, you know, I I can't sit here and listen to you talk that way. You know, you know, if you contact your insurance company and find out do you did they do they offer mental health uh situation if they do let them know the insurance come look uh i need someone to talk to talk to your doctor and tell them look i need someone to talk to because this is a lot that you're dealing with and you're you're angry and i suggested that she need to pick up a bible and pray and read her scriptures you know, and ask God to help her to get through this. You know, that's the only way that I could see that I was was able to help her. Because I didn't need her negative energy attaching itself to me. I'm already sick myself. I'm no, I'm fighting now with this with this medication and then you calling me you know, feeling sorry for yourself, you know, why this happening. And like I told you, you can't question why it happened. Just try to accept it and move forward. So, um, like I told you, you know, you should still welcome to call me. But if you want to talk, you know, about positive stuff, we can do that. But if you want to talk negative you know, I can't, I can't talk negative because I can't have that in my life, you know, because I, I'm a positive person. I think positive and I try to keep my life moving in a flow way, you know, because negative energy will harm you just as well as a negative person will harm you. You know, you need to think positive about your situation that you're in. Try to find a positive outlook on it. Uh, I know I have really worked on myself a lot to get to where I am in life. You know, like I said, you know, with this uh, scurridama flaring up also, you know, that's... um, it's part of the rheumatoid arthritis also, you know, rheumatoid arthritis have a lot to do with a lot of different autoimmune diseases. And a lot of people don't know that neither, you know, um, you know, it can be very, you know, progressive, the scleroderma, it can. It can be fatal at times, you know, 
I'm not looking at that part of, you know, for me, the fatal part. You know, you know there's uh, from one of uh, four different types of pattern, you know, danger zones, you know, that's, you know, come from the scleroderma. The scleroderma can affect your lung, your kidneys, your kidneys, your heart, and your gastro system. You know, um, in 2019, that's when I was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, where um, they I went in for my normal routine checkup to be checked for polyps, and when they went in and they found the polyps and they removed them, they tested them, and they came back cancerous. So I had to go in. Um, I had several that was embedded so far in my colon where they couldn't even remove them, where they had to go in and cut out part of my intestines and then restitch them, then reconnect them to remove that part up the the polyps. So, like I said, I have been through a lot, but I don't dwell on it and I don't sit back and and fuss, you know, and just think about it constantly and you know dwelling on it. I take it in stride and I keep moving. I think about it, you know, when I'm having problems and stuff. But then I get my Bible, I get my scriptures, and I read. You know, and I write in my journal. And that's another thing I told her she needed to do. is start her journal. You know, writing down these things and how you feeling. So when you go to the doctor, tell them how you're feeling. I mean, don't sit and be depressed because being depressed is not going to help your illness. It's not going to help your dialysis. It's just going to make it progress much faster. It's going to make your kidneys fail a little faster. You know, think about what you're eating. You know, change the way you, you know, you eat, prepare your food. You know, there's a lot of different things out there. So like I told you, you know, get your daughters and your sons to help you, you know, do research, you know, on how to, you know, change your, your, your diet, you know, um, stuff that can help you try to keep you here a little longer and drink plenty of water stuff that can help keep your kidney flushed until you can be able to get your kidney you know replacement you know because life is too short to be angry and feeling sorry for yourself and then you know it doesn't, life is not like that, you know, 
I look at it like God give us all trials and tribulations. And he wants to see what we're going to do with those trials and tribulations that he put us through. It's up to us to make the best of it. And ask him for help to help us and guide us through this. That's all I feel that he wants us to do is to ask him for help. You know, because he's the only one that can cure us from these diseases. And I look at it like it's a learning for me and to be able to do these podcasts and videos is to help other people to understand. You know, I'm not here to try to tell you what medications to take. And I'm just here to try to give you an insight on what I have been through, you know, and you can ask your doctors about different medications that you can be able to take, different uh, uh, treatments that you can take. You know, that's, you know, what I suggest that you can do. Or, you know, if you have a doctor that you're not satisfied with, see, can you change your doctor? If you can't change your doctor, contact your insurance company. And you can talk to their doctors because the doctors send reports to the insurance company. So they have everything they need to know about your health. And if they and they can look and see that if you're not getting the care that you needs to get, they will give you that option to change your doctor in the middle of your enrollment period if they feel that it's necessary. But with me, my insurance, I can change my doctor no matter when. I don't have no set enrollment period to keep. My doctor, I don't have to keep that same doctor for that whole year. I can change my doctor anytime I want to. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. I go through so many specialists, so many primary care, so many internal medicine doctors. I, I'm not going to be told that there's nothing they can do for me. Or I'm not going to be told like they, I was told in the beginning, oh, it's all in your head. Okay, so I made up all these diseases. That's, God, this one doctor told me, it's all in your head. You don't have that. But you sitting here looking at it in black and white, but I don't have this. Okay. You a quack. That's the way I look at it. And I walked away from him and found me another doctor. It just, I want people to understand when you go to these doctors, make sure you make notes. So when you go, you can sit and tell them, okay, this is what's happening to me. This is how I'm feeling. Pay attention. If they put you on new medication, pay attention. Because if you haven't been feeling this way before, it got to be something that's with the medication. Because a lot of medication, a lot of people don't let the the CDC know about different side effects so it's up to us to contact them it's up to us to notify our doctor of different how we're feeling you know because if we don't they they won't know you know they will not know at all 
that this is what's going on with your body. You, we have to be the one, the advocates, to get the word out and let people know. And we have to let these doctors know. You know, I have had so many different doctors that don't want to listen. They think they know because they have a medical degree. Yes, you do. But you don't you don't live my body. You're not inside my body. You don't know how I'm feeling. You know, you can just look at me and say, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But by insides, that was the problem. Like I tell you, my body is attacking me from the inside out. So you can't sit there and tell me there's nothing wrong with me when I know that I'm, I'm not used to having this pain. Or I'm not used to having these bruises and stuff like this that pops up on my body. You know, any and everybody should know their body better than anybody else. So... I feel that when a doctor don't listen to what I'm trying to tell them, this is un, unnatural for me to be happening to me, I keep it moving. I move on and find someone that actually wants to listen and care about the patient, not looking at me as a dollar sign, have me sitting in your waiting area for 30 minutes, and then you call me back in your office, and I'm back there for 15 seconds and I'm out the door you know that's those kind of doctors I don't I don't have time for those I had them before and I dismissed them because you know you're gonna come in and try to make me feel like I'm I'm crazy it's all in my head that I don't, I'm not I don't know what I'm talking about that's why I say it's best to do research and try to find out a lot of different things for yourself. And then when you go into these offices and talk to these doctors, you can bring this stuff up to them. And if that doctor don't want to listen, try to find you one that will listen to you. And try to help you and try to get a good team to work with. I'm in the process of looking for a new rheumatologist. I thought the one that I had found back in June and July that... We was on the same page. Evidently, no, we're not. We're not on the same page because I'm still having difficult problems with my neck and spine. Ask him to send a referral to see a surgeon. Haven't heard from the surgeon yet. So I have an appointment with my internal medicine doctor coming up. I'm going to suggest to him to do the referral because I'm still having difficult with my neck and my spine. It's hard for me to sit a long period of time. So when I'm at home, I'm pacing. I lay down for a little bit. Then I sit up for a little bit and then I walk. I lay, sit and walk to try to relieve that pressure off my spine and my neck. That hurts a lot. I can go to church on Sunday and sit through sacrament meeting and it lasts for about an hour. 
40 minutes into the meeting, my neck don't stiff up. My back don't start hurt to the point. I Sometimes I can't even move. And I sit there. You know, and then I'm in, I get fatigued to the point where, you know, my mirrors be looking at me like, is you okay? No, I'm in pain. Don't, and God forbid, don't touch. Cause when I get to that point, don't touch me. I'm, I'm really hurting then. You know, just, just, just let me sit here, make it through the rest of the, the 15 minutes of this, this service, and then. You can assist me up to help me stand up and get me to the car. Because that's how bad it is. I used to not be like that. I used to be able to go to Sacrament, Sunday school, and all, you know, all the activities during the church service. Our church service only lasts for three hours. I can only do an hour. (laughs) I only can do an hour. And sometimes I can't even do an hour because a lot of times it, it, it gets to that point where I end up leaving out of the chapel and go sit in the lobby and not sit, stretch out on the couch in the lobby. That's how bad sometimes it gets for me. So I'm... Here to tell you, I don't let that stop me, but I'm, I'm steady moving. I'm moving forward, and I'm trying to get other people to understand. You cannot let your illness control you. You have to control it. My pain, uh, my rheumatologist told me I need to go to pain management. I went to pain management. Pain management said that they would not give me the pain meds that I used to be on because they're worried about my liver. I have had liver tests done. My liver is fine. Kidney tests done. My kidneys are fine. But you rather for me to be coming in here and letting y'all shoot me with needles up and down my back, beta blockers for pain. No, I'm not going to do that one. No, I'm not going to live my life like that coming over here, letting y'all shoot me up every week or every two weeks. I'm not doing it. It's not going to happen. Because if you can just give me the pain pills that I was taking at first, I was manageable. My pain was manageable. Because before the state of Florida had you to go to see pain management, your rheumatologist and your primary care, your internal medicine was giving you your pain meds. I was on three different types of pain meds to help manage and control my pain. And it was working for me until they sent me to pain management. Pain management decided to just wipe all that out and put me on the lowest dose of pain pills they could find. So why should I waste my time going back to pain management and pay, have my insurance paying for me to go to see them where I'm not being treated 
like I should. So I don't do pain management. I'm not going to waste my time doing that. And I'm not going to waste my insurance money doing it. That's another thing that I refuse to do. I refuse to waste money on something that's not working for me or someone that is trying to help me. I'm not going to fill your pockets with money and you're not treating me or trying to help me. I'm not going to do that. That's just a waste of insurance money. And I'm not doing that. I pay a healthy deductible every month. And I'm not going to waste paying my deductible every month to insurance company. And then these doctors, all they sitting there is doing, they just want to get paid. And telling me that they can't help me or it's all in my head. No, it's not going to happen. And I, I refuse to let that happen. You know, and if you go through that, you, you shouldn't have to, you know, like I said, we all know our bodies better than these doctors do. They might know the medicine part of it, but they don't know how we feel and what we are going through. And that's something that they need to stop and listen and pay attention to. You know, ask, how are you doing from the last time I seen you, don't come in and, and, and assume that everything is just okay since the last time you seen them. Because sometimes you don't get this, you've been three to four months since you've seen this doctor. So don't assume that you're doing better. It could be worse. And I have had called doctors and left messages. And if they don't return my message, oh, I, when they do decide to return my oh, I found another doctor. <laughs> I'm not your patient anymore. And a lot of them finds that out the hard way because when I send, sign that release form for them to get my records, then, then they wants to call me and find out what's going on. It's too late because you should have called me when I left that message. Don't wait almost a month later than when you get I found another doctor and they want my records. Then you want to call me and ask me what happened. What's going on? No. It's, it's too late for that. You know, it's not your concern anymore because you, you wasn't concerned of my problem before you get this new record request from another doctor. In the same field you're in. You wasn't too concerned then, so why be concerned now? That's how I operate. I don't sit around and wait because my health is more important to me. It's a lot important to me. Like I said, in 2004, my kids was teenagers. I had a teenager and a preteen. And I'm a single mom. Raising two kids with autoimmune deficiency. So, it was hard. It was really hard. Trying to maintain a household being sick with two kids. I didn't, you know, 
my kids didn't have to not be kids. They didn't have to go out and try to get no job or nothing like that to try to help take care of the home or nothing. I tried to make sure they stayed in school, got their education, and they both graduated 4.0. Son went out to the Navy. Daughter stayed home and take care of her mom. Because at one part of the time in my life, I was bedridden. When the rheumatoid arthritis had crippled me to the point where I wasn't able to walk. I wasn't able to get out of bed on my own. This is why I do these videos to get people to understand. You know... The podcast. If you, I have a link on one of my videos of my podcast, uh, my YouTube channel, where you'll get actually get to see me, where I have, I'm mobile, where I used to not be mobile. If I knew about YouTube back then, you know, making videos and stuff, I would have a documented all it. But I have my journals where I wrote down stuff, you know, to the point to where I couldn't write anymore, use my right hand because I'm right, I'm a right-hander. That's my dominant hand. I had to have that whole hand reconstructed. I had five surgeries done on that one hand. And I had to learn how to rewrite all over again. I had to learn how to write with my left hand. Because I wasn't able to use my right hand cast. It was in a cast for a year and a half. And when it came out that cast, I had to go to physical therapy to learn how to work my fingers again. How to hold a pencil. How to do everything. You know, because I had a total wrist replacement, total knuckle replacement. I had a couple of cysts removed from my my wrist and my hand and my knuckles and my fingers. I had my tendons pulled down for my hand to be able to open. My hand had closed shut. So I said, I have been through a lot with my illness. I don't have both of my ankles replaced. I had my L4, L5 replaced with titanium rod. My C3 through 6 in my neck have been replaced. I can't even bend my head backwards. I can barely bend it downward. I can't bend over half to squat because of the rod in my L4 and L5. But I am blessed because parts that I have had surgery, other people don't have Knee replacement, I haven't had that. They don't have hip replacement, I haven't had that. They don't have shoulder replacement, I haven't had that. I am blessed and thankful for all of what I have been through and what I have not been through. But talk to your doctors. Try to get a better understanding on what is going on with your body. And if you have rheumatoid arthritis, when your joints and stuff start deteriorating, get them looked at. Push the issue. 
that you need to see a because they're going to tell you, oh, we're going to send you to physical therapy. Physical therapy was more harmful to me than helpful before I had my surgery. And I went to physical therapy twice. That second time I went, I didn't have the same person that I had the first time I went. That second person hurt me so bad. I went back to my doctor and told him, if you don't send me to a surgeon, I will call my insurance company and ask their doctor to refer me to a surgeon. So he did refer me to a surgeon because actually he didn't refer. I, I gave him the surgeon I wanted to see because I called my insurance company and found out who was the top surgeon that in my area, in that field. And they gave me the doctor name and that's the doctor I went to go see. And I said, there's a lot you can do to help yourself. And I know uh, a lot of insurance companies sit out for uh, books with different providers in it and all that. Take the time and look through there. Find a doctor that you want to do. Then Google that doctor and find out about the doctor. See, you know, the good reviews, the bad reviews. And then contact the medical board and see how many sanctions this doctor don't had called up on him. That's how I go through finding doctors. Because if you're not satisfied with a doctor, a, you know, you can report that doctor to the medical board. Report if you feel that you're being mistreated, not getting the medical attention that you're supposed to get, report them to the medical board. They investigate them. You know, I did, I have done that also. And I did it with my sister when I was have taking care of her before she passed. She had doctors that wasn't even caring about her breathing problem. You know, she was weak. She had metastatic cancer stage four. And she should have been on oxygen. But when I got there to help take care of her, they didn't have her on no oxygen. None of that. So I just you know wants everyone to understand where I'm coming from. Take care of yourself. Look out for yourself. And I'm going to try to get more of my podcast out to you guys. And again, I am so grateful and thankful for you all being with me through all of this. And you all have a blessed week. Namaste.